God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, Leonore is going to be joining us tomorrow. She'll be back. Uh, she had a lot of uh, other projects that she was working on in the D.C. district proper uh, that she uh, had to be in, in Washington, D.C. really early. And uh, so she's not been able to do the show for a while, but she'll be she'll be on with us tomorrow. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We're going to be getting our phone system back as well. Um, there's a lot happening uh, that seem to be good. I don't know. I like to use the word tea leaves. Good signs of things to come. I think that, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump is beating up uh, Liz Cheney like a drum. Jenna Ellis uh, has now requested a debate for with Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, Jenna Ellis, because Liz Cheney's calling the election fraud a big lie. I'd like to see Cindy McCain get in on that as well, because these people that are calling the election results ludicrous or the basically the transparent audit ludicrous, and and questioning the uh, questioning the election as the big lie and arresting people and raiding homes in Alaska looking for Nancy Pelosi's laptop when Black Lives Matter burns every city they go to down those Marxist fools and the Antifa people that go along with it. These socialists, anarchists, Marxists that want to run the show and corporate America somehow endorses their behavior because it's coordinated with the Rothschilds, it's coordinated with the Soros, it's coordinated with the socialist monies that perpetuate the multilateral trade negotiations that 
support the multinational corporations that allow for unfair advantages where these multinational corporations like Nike will exploit slave labor markets in developing nations like China. That's why WTO, the World Trade Organization, still has this misnomer that they think that China is a developing nation. I beg to differ. But there's a reason why they get that status. And it's called slave labor marketing. And Trump was disrupting the entire supply chain. Not only on the multinational, multilateral, globalist trade front, but also making all these hot air blowing people who were advancing this whole fake news push for climate change through the Paris Accord and the Green, the green uh, Deal. Not, not AOC's Green Deal. It was a Green Initiative or something like that and the Paris Accord. We got out of that. We got out of TPP. Nike wasn't happy about that. Nike and Obama had a big event pushing TPP, and when Trump pulled out of it, China said, well, there's no point in us being here because we don't have a, uh, there won't be any business for our slave labor markets to enjoy. Our 12-year-olds are not going to have 18-hour days that way. Economy of scale. We got to get our 12-year-old 18-hour-a-day workers humming on all their cylinders that they've developed in their young life. And so COVID happens. Weapon of choice? Probably. That was the weapon of choice. Hit the reset button. No way, Jose, are we going to be getting involved with phase one and phase two of these stupid, stupid trade deals that are so-called leaders push down the throats of Americans. Not a war of the jungle, but a new world order. That's what Herbert Walker Bush said. And a little baby Bush, W, who couldn't say the word nuclear if it, you paid him, uh, perpetuated this whole thing. He's out right now talking about police reform and he's out there talking about globalism and new world orders himself. Meanwhile, the people that have indoctrinated developing countries for decades, like the Gates Foundation, where he was on TED, Bill Gates, talking about population control how we need to reduce the world's population from 9 billion, I played this clip for you, down to 6 billion. How are we going to do that? And the crowd laughed. You know, he's told a little joke about freshman algebra. And then he went into, you know, basically uh, socialized medicine for death panels, reproduction services, which is abortion, and he talked about vaccines as having a huge impact on reducing the world's population. But then on another clip, 
on CNBC, I played this for you as well. Bill Gates is out there talking about a 20% return on investment. Yeah, that's right. He said $10 billion investment resulted in a $200 billion return on investment, an ROI. So basically, he got $200 billion for every $10 billion he put up. Even I can afford that. If I had $10 billion, <laughs> I'd be in the vaccine business if I had a conscience. If I didn't, if I did not have a conscience. It's a swarmy, it's a, swar- it's a, it's a snaky world out there. And the swamp is deep and the swamp is is so ridiculous. It would make your head spin if you really knew what the heck was going on in that slimy mud at the base of that swamp. These creatures swarm around in it and they keep their posts for years. These people can barely spell their name. They've been out of the world of competition for so long. Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters doesn't know what a competitive anything is. They could never run a business. And Ocasio-Cortez is one of those little whippersnappers. You're going to see her with a fancy hairdo and expensive clothes and fancy cars. I remember the day when she walked into D.C. and said, I can't afford my rent. Ilhan Omar, she's busted for spending $1.7 million on consulting fees with her lover, and she doesn't get ousted. And she's just some two-bit representative in Minnesota from Somalia, a refugee that hates our country, hates Donald Trump. But Liz Cheney this uh, yesterday stepped in it, trying to fight mano a mano. Hasn't she learned by Jeb Bush? Hasn't she learned by all these other rhinos in office? But when you go through her Twitter, it's kind of fascinating because you see all these things she's complaining about that she herself created. Oh, look at what Iran's doing over here. Look at what Syria's doing over there. Look at what Russia's doing over there. Look at what North Korea's doing over there. Boo-hoo. Oh, Biden's not doing a good job when it comes to the border. Look at all these problems with the caravans and all this, that coming over. Look at these people in cages. Well, none of that happened under Trump. But yet she hates Trump. Is it that she hates the way Trump delivers the message? I've always said that Trump was sort of like the Rodney Dangerfield character in Back to School and Caddyshack. Both. Both of them apply. If you remember Caddyshack, Rodney Dangerfield was the rich guy that walked in with his Cadillac and had that fancy golf cart. And Ted Knight was the character that was like, oh, this is a country club, sir. Act like it. Wear a suit. You know. And then back to school, you know, Rodney Dangerfield built one of the buildings. Right. His name was on the building. And this tweed jacket kind of guy was trying to talk about how you start a business in this world. And the big and tall salesman, Rodney Dangerfield, was like, oh, you missed a lot of stuff. You forgot about the shakedowns and the corruption at the 
in the city office and, and the mob that you have to deal with. And it's like, that may be the way you do business, sir, but that's not the way we do business in our ivory tower. But of course it is. The real world, where the melting pot really exists, where fences are really needed, where a gun in your closet is absolutely a necessity, these politicians don't have a clue. Yet they're surrounded and supported by guns and security and walls and gates and fences and anything else that they want. They're supported by all of it. They're not held by any of the rules and regulations they hammer down for middle-class America. And these globalists have chased our jobs away from middle America. The only thing left standing, perhaps, is farming, where China's in need of corn and grain and, and barley. But for how long? And what, what's the next shoe to drop? Because we know that what they're doing is they're trying to reverse all the, all the hits, all the advancements. They're trying to reverse the advancements of the middle class. And I have always said on this show, I said, socialism could never work in a society where you have a strong, vibrant, independent thinking middle class. And I said this for so long because basically what happens is that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to replace it. They're trying to replace the middle class. And, uh, you know, I wrote this tweet. I'm going to see if I can find it, but here. Oh, by the way, um, there are a lot of advancements. I was just looking for the one thing, and I found another. Former Democrat House Majority Speaker for the State of Oregon, Dave Hunt, was arrested and charged on human trafficking, sex trafficking in Portland. Go figure. And here we got Bill Gates and Melinda Gates are splitting up after 27 years. That's kind of interesting, don't you think? Was it all the money? I don't know. But there's something going on. Liz Cheney writes, The 2020 presidential election was not stolen. Anyone who claims it was is spreading the big lie, turning their back on the rule of law and poisoning our democratic system. Jenna Ellis challenged her to a debate, just like... Um, just like... Uh, Congressman Green in Georgia challenged AOC. These libtards will never step up and debate anybody for anything. It's a lose situation for them. It's a total lose situation for them. And they know it. And you'll never see it. Why is it that the Republicans are the ones always wanting to challenge the intellectual properties of an argument? And the Democrats, all they want to do is speak in platitudes Talk about hope and change when there's absolutely no plan for hope and change. I said, it's fun to watch 
Daddy's Girl Lobby for Unprecedented Voter Fraud in a state like Wyoming that is already being watched for voter fraud registrations, fake ballots, fraudulent voter machines, and illegal migration. Cheney cronies can't handle this microscope. Wyoming Fraud Alert. We got to keep an eye on this because wherever you see someone like Liz Cheney talk about no voter fraud, you better believe that she's absolutely lobbying for voter fraud support. That's the only way they win. She's got a small district in Wyoming. I mean, congressmen in Wyoming have small districts. Now, she's sort of like an at-large congresswoman. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's not quite. She doesn't have quite just a district. She has something more. And I don't know exactly what it is, but it doesn't matter. She only has to get like 15,000 votes and she wins. I mean, that's all AOC won by. And she's now a congresswoman. It's, you know, treating Nancy Pelosi like a puppet. You know, it's kind of scary, really, when you think about it. And uh, keep your eyes on Matthew Foldy. Matthew Foldy's got some new data coming out with regard to the Lincoln Project. And it should be should be uh, revealing. So it's, it's worth a look. Matthew Foldy. I think he's from the uh, Free Beacon. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I said, when Disclosed TV uh, posted this, they said, just in, Germany's Oktoberfest has been canceled again for 2021 due to the virus. Hmm. I said, well, that's one way to get uh, people to forget their identity and cancel their culture while at the same time wearing masks, avoid talking to each other, congregating at church or finding love with their future soulmates. All things that once were more important than government. They still are. You know that and I know that. But they don't know that. They apparently think that somehow government can, can, can replace everything. They need that control. There's no reason why at the same time that we have someone like DeSantis opening up Florida to a complete pre-COVID status with zero COVID restrictions, effective July 1st. And that even a state like New York with Cuomo at the helm, who basically said something stupid about, you know, uh, wear a mask, get a vaccine, don't, don't get grandma sick when he was the one that killed all the grandmas in New York some nerve to say that. And why is this guy still in office? He's a womanizing, murderous thug, Andrew Cuomo, and he's still running the show over there. He's even got de Blasio up his butt. But why is it at the same time that we're opening up and wherever there are openings, because there's one study after the next, thank you, Faye Yapel, where she showed a Tucker Carlson report and it said data is overwhelming. Masks can cause low oxygen 
and high carbon dioxide levels, shortness of breath, toxicity, inflammation, increased stress, hormones, and sugar in the body. Kids are really suffering from mask mandates. What are we going to do about it? And since when is it that an adult, like the teachers' unions, can actually dictate the rules and regulations over at CDC? When do the unions get that much muscle? And uh, I I was uh, given an article by Lynn Kelly that I want to cover today that talks about why it is that COVID has been used as a weapon or as a tool or as a bargaining chip so that teachers' unions can use this COVID mask mandate, the uncertainties and unprecedented factoids of COVID that are all over the place with a bunch of corrupt politicians like Antonio Fauci. Um, They're using this as a weapon at the bargaining table so that they can never get fired for taking time off and getting paid with leave. And they could care less about the children, these teachers. These teachers could care less. And not only that, but they're mandating that children get the vaccines when they're not. They're mandating that children wear masks when they don't need to. It's been proven. That children don't spread, children don't get. Faye Yapel also sent me this. What Biden refused to speak about. Border mess. Education system, homeless in America, condition of our cities, crime in America, torture of children, putting America first, housing market, collapse of small business, election integrity. He's more concerned with going after Trump supporters. Think about it. It's kind of interesting. Um, All right, so we're going to get back on track here. Now, yesterday I promised you that I was going to play a bunch of uh, audio clips related to Frank Luntz and related to Giuliani, uh, two issues that I want to cover more than we did yesterday. And they happened over the weekend and as far back as Friday. But before we get to that, Listen to what Kirsten Gillibrand from, I think, Minnesota said, said. She's a senator. Senator Gillibrand. She writes, she tweets this out. She says, tired. Families. Wired. Affordable child care and universal paid leave. So her whole belief system is families takes a back seat to affordable child care and universal paid leave. Can you believe that? I think that's just absolutely absurd. Again, reminder, keep your eye on Matthew Foldy from Free Beacon. He's going to be coming out with some new data about the Lincoln Project. We'll more than likely be talking about that tomorrow. All right, so the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about um, what Alan Dershowitz thinks about this banana republic that we find ourselves in. Here we go. 
Joshua, how are you today? Well, I'm very upset about what's going on with Eugene Honey. You know, in banana republics, in Castro's Cuba, in many parts of the world, when a candidate loses for a president, they go after the candidate, they go after his lawyers, they go after his friends. That didn't happen in America. And that's happening in America now. They're going after Rudy Giuliani. They're going after Victoria Tensing. Who knows who will be next? Uh, and they're going after him in inappropriate ways. A search warrant on a lawyer or a doctor or a priest? You don't use search warrants when people have privileged information on their cell phones and in their computers. You use a subpoena. The difference between a subpoena and a search warrant is like night and day. The subpoena is the lawyer gets a request. He's told to turn over certain documents. If he thinks they're privileged, he goes to court. They have it out. They have a decision. It's not ex parte. It's not just one side. But here they're going after him. They're searching. They're taking everything from his cloud, from his computers, including privileged information. It's just not constitutional. And that's why when Rudy called me yesterday, I said, sure, I'll help out. I'm in favor of the Constitution. It is mind-boggling that the fact is what Rudy said to me is he had some dealings with the President of the United States, and he was the President's lawyer. They even took information on him being a lawyer with conversations with the President of the United States. Uh, I mean, at that point, who's safe in the country? I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's privilege not only under lawyer-client privilege, it's also privilege under executive privilege. And the idea that they're going to take all this material, break into his you know, apartment at 6 in the morning, uh, like he's a mafia guy or like he's a terrorist or you know, like he's somebody who's going to destroy evidence. He's been known, he's known about them wanting this. He even offered it to them. He's known about this for months and months and months. They could have simply issued a subpoena. But uh, they decided to go the way they decided to go. Look, you know, Rudy and I have been on different sides of issues for years. We started out together in, I think, 1973. I represented the Jewish Defense League, and he was prosecuting them. And um, we've had cases against each other for years. My God, he grew up in Brooklyn as a New York Yankee fan. How could you do that? I was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. So Rudy and I have had our disagreements over the years about everything, but we completely agree about the Constitution. I love that. I love that commentary. And uh, it's just absolutely absurd. What kind of what kind of Democrat supports a guy like Joe Biden who signs off on this and lies about it and says he doesn't know anything about it? He doesn't know anything about it. That's absolute hogwash, right? That's hogwash. So I also want to uh, play what Giuliani had to say about it. Okay, so uh, here we go with that. Just learned that lesson the hard way yesterday when federal agents raided his home and took his files. By our count, Rudy Giuliani is at least the third attorney to have his personal communications with former President Donald Trump seized by the Justice Department. Sense a theme here? Rudy Giuliani joins us to tell us why. By the way, that would be Victoria Tunsing, Michael Cohen, and now Rudy Giuliani. No other president has ever had this kind of stuff happen to them, ever. Mr. Mayor, thanks so much for coming on. Now, if you'd been reading the Twitter feed of the Lincoln Project, the Democratic hacks who got Joe Biden elected, you would have known that federal agents were about to raid your home. They knew before you did, but apparently you weren't. Tell us what happened yesterday. 
Well, about six o'clock in the morning, there was a big bang, bang, bang on the door. And outside were seven, seven FBI agents with a warrant uh, for uh, electronics. And I looked at the warrant and I said, uh, you know, this is extraordinary because I've offered to give these to the government and talk it over with the government for two years. I don't know why they have to do this. The agents seemed somewhat apologetic, I might say. They were very, very professional and very gentlemanly. The only time they got perturbed is at the end of the surge, when they had taken about, I'd say, seven or eight electronic items of mine, which is what they took, and, and two of someone else's. I, uh, th they weren't taking the three hard drives, which, of course, are electronic devices. They just mimic the, the computer. I said, well, don't you want these? And they said, what are they? I said, those are Hunter Biden's hard drives. And they said, no, 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 no. I said, are you sure you don't want them? I mean, the, the warrant required them to take it. And they said, no, no. And I, one last time I said, don't you think you should take it? to comp And they said, no. Now, uh, Hunter Biden's hard drives fall within the scope of the subpoena. The subpoena required them to take all electronics. But they decided to leave that behind. And they also were completely content to rely on my word that these were Hunter Biden's hard drives. I mean, they could have been Donald Trump's. They could have been Vladimir Putin's. They could have been anybody's. But they relied on me, the man who had to be raided in the morning, uh, because I, well, I'm going to destroy the evidence. I've known about this for two years, uh, Tucker. I could have destroyed the evidence years ago. Year, I didn't destroy the evidence because the evidence is exculpatory. It proves that the president and I and all of us are innocent. They are the ones who are committing. It's like it's like projection. They're committing the crimes. Yeah, go ahead. Well, well, may, may I just interject to say it's, I think, literally projection. So from what we have read in the press, the Department of Justice wants to know whether you violated FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, in representing foreign nationals, Ukrainians, for pay. You didn't register. They're saying that may have been a crime. We know for a fact that Hunter Biden did that. He didn't register under FARA. He represented Ukrainians. He probably made a lot more than you did. He also represented Chinese nationals lobbying his dad. And he has not been charged with a FARA violation. Am I missing something here? Uh, yeah, you're missing, uh, you know, equal administration of justice, which is what we don't yeah. have anymore. The reality is the hard drive contains somewhere between a dozen or more violations of FARA that are spelled out uh, completely. Failure to register. Uh, the, the fact is it also spells out, as we now know, a clear violation of the Gun Act, the, 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 the application is a straight-out fraud. He says, I'm not an addict. We have a picture of him five days before smoking a crack pipe behind the wheel of a car and then saying under oath that he's not an addict. And it's the left that gets all perturbed about people who are mentally unstable having guns. Well, he was unstable. He's been, a, he, unfortunately and tragically, I, I, I feel sorry for that part of Hunter Biden. I think his father exploited him. But the reality is he's still a danger to the public if he's driving an automobile or holding a gun. But they don't care yeah. about that. No, they, they come don't. and send so, it to my apartment when, I, when I'm willing to talk to them civilly myself. And uh, second, I can tell you, I, I never, ever represented a foreign national. I, in fact, I have in my contracts a refusal to do it because from the time... I got out of being mayor. I didn't want to lobby. Never did it to Bush. Never did it to Obama. Never did it with Trump.
and I can prove it. Just give me an opportunity. But they will. So Instead, they had a breakdown. I wouldn't say breakdown, but smash on my doors uh, in a frightening way. Lucky I don't get frightened very easily. I handle them very professionally, and they handle me very professionally. I want to make that point. Also, Hunter, I am a lawyer who has prosecuted a lot more serious cases that have been prosecuted in the U.S. Attorney's Office since I left. And the reality is that that warrant is completely illegal. The only way you can get a search warrant is if you can show that there's some evidence that the person is going to destroy the evidence or is going to or is going to run away with the evidence. Well, I've had it for two years and I haven't destroyed it. And they also got it from the iCloud. So uh, there was no there was no justification for that warrant. It is an illegal, unconstitutional warrant, uh, one of many that this Department of Injustice tragically has done. And it breaks my heart because I belong to the Justice Department. And I think I had a record that's a hell of a lot better than theirs. Joe Biden said he didn't know the Lincoln Project knew the guys who covered up child molestation. But Joe Biden says he didn't know that this raid was coming. Do you take that at face value? Uh, maybe he doesn't remember. I'm not sure if he can retain anything for more than about, you know, the, the time it takes to read it. But in any event, who cares if he knew or not? And the reality is how, how the Lincoln Project knowing means that they have a serious leak in a very important investigation. We have been warning of that for two years. My lawyer, Bob Costello, has written to them four times to plug up the leaks. They've done nothing to do that. So, so, so and just then, to frame course, this, by, and, uh, may I interrupt you? I, just, I should have done this at the outset. I, I just want no, to make please. absolutely certain that we understand, our viewers understand, what it is the Justice Department says they're investigating. We've read it's a FARA violation. Is there something else? What have they said to you about what they're looking into? They haven't said anything. They won't explain to me what they're looking into for two years. Uh, we've called them five, six occasions, said, tell us what you're investigating. We'll come in and address it. No, just come in and talk to us. Tell us about your whole life. Of course, that's ridiculous. And uh, the, so I have to go. I have to go as a lawyer on the search warrant. The search warrant is purportedly based on one single failure to file for representing a Ukrainian national or official that I never represented. I've never represented a Ukrainian national or official before the United States government. I've declined it several times. I've had contracts in countries like Ukraine. In the contract is a clause that says I will not engage in lobbying or foreign representation. I don't do it because I felt it would be too compromising. Here I am in the middle of representing the president of the United States on a charge that I believe he was innocent of. I had great passion about that. If you're a lawyer and you're representing an innocent man, there's no greater burden you can have. And my sole concentration, and I am so offended by the things they've said about me, my sole concentration from the beginning here, Tucker, was to find evidence that would prove what I knew, that he was innocent of Russian collusion and that he was innocent of doing anything improper. He did exactly what a president should do with the president of Ukraine. He asked him to investigate right. a vice president who violated our laws over and over again. 30 years of the Biden crime family violating our laws. That is what is on the hard drive that they have censored. And that's I mean, why they want to put me in jail.
One of the great ironies is the Democratic Party is hysterical on the subject of Russia, in part because they've taken so much money from Ukraine, which, of course, fears Russia and has for for an awful long time. They're being paid to hate Russia. Uh, but let me just ask you. So now they've taken your phone. They've taken they've got all your texts, They've got all your digital communications. So unless you've been in mass 12 hours a day for the last five years, like, is there anybody who could? No, it's a sincere question. I'm not. I mean, is there anybody who, if the Justice Department was out for you and they've got every text you've ever sent and every email that they couldn't find something to charge you with? Do you think this is going to remain a FARA investigation or could it get much bigger quickly? Well, I think it it should get much bigger. I think they should be investigated for blatantly violating my constitutional rights, the president's constitutional rights, in the middle of the impeachment defense. They invaded, without telling me, my uh, iCloud. They took documents that are privileged, and then they unilaterally decided what they could read and not read. So the prosecutors, the Justice Department, spied on me. And that is, if that is not taken seriously... If that doesn't result in their being sanctioned, the case being dismissed, and it's stopping, this is no longer uh, a free. Co- we might as well be in, you know, East Berlin before the wall fell. This is this is tactics only known in a dictatorship, where you you seize a lawyer's records right in the middle of his representation of his client. Uh, they, I mean, you, you should be prosecuted and disbarred for that. You shouldn't yeah, be prosecuting I somebody else. I agree. I agree with they're, that. They're, I agree with disgrace. that. Uncr- Uncritically. They're, they're a disgrace to that. a great department. And here we are. You know, shame on any Democrat who voted for Biden. Shame on any person with a degree from college that gives you half a brain to think straight. And shame on you for voting for that, for voting for somebody who would unconstitutionally seize property from America's mayor, from the president's attorney, without even wanting to talk with this person over a FARA charge. You know, they went after Maria Butina that way. And she was hooked up in the Russian hoax scandal. And again, these were proven to be hoaxes. And, you know, Sanjay Gupta is giving Hillary a pass. Like I said, the Russian hoax was not much different than the Watergate hoax. The Watergate hoax was a hoax, too. Yeah, there were some numbnuts, like G. Gordon Liddy was played a fool and helped conspire to pull off that plumber burglary, two-bit burglary, where nobody worth half their weight in salt could ever have gotten caught burglarizing anything back then. They didn't have security. They didn't have cameras. <clears throat> any any half-baked burglar could never get caught. In the middle of the night, going into a uh, room. But the Watergate thing was, does it suppose, they were supposed to get caught. They were played for fools. And there was, 
the the entire endeavor was a setup to set the stage for the cover up. But the difference between Trump and Nixon is Trump was smarter than Nixon. And Trump didn't get his hands on the cookie jar, didn't put his fingerprints in the cookie jar. And he never got in trouble for that. And they knew. Because Hillary was really too stupid to modify the Watergate agenda. I mean, she was on the Watergate committee. She knew the play. She knew the scandal. She knew the crime. She knew the corruption. And she financed a new version, a 21st century version of Watergate through Russia hoax. Blame it on the president. Anything to cover up the Seth Rich murder, which he's still dead and nobody knows who killed him. It was a first in D.C. politics. D.C., where a white guy gets gunned down in the middle of the street in a botched robbery. That crime has never not been solved in D.C. Until now. Before we move on, we're going to actually play a quick clip related to... uh, By the way, you know, we know there's a lot going on in Phoenix uh, or in Maricopa County. And we're waiting on, you know, a lot of uh, information coming out of that. We're waiting on some new information coming from the Lincoln Project related to Free Beacon. They're going to be coming out with a story. Check them out. There's also a lot going on in Wyndham, New Hampshire, related to a uh, fake audit. And people are outraged at the way they're going about that audit. Um, And then, you know, we have cities that are opening and states that are opening. And in the case of Florida, DeSantis has been on the lead. I haven't heard word one about the UFC 261, 15,000 people that showed up at that event and didn't get any spike in COVID that I have heard of. And it just goes to tell me that there's a lot more hoax than there is reality going on with this mass control, this draconian style tactic of exploiting a crisis to control people and replace people with government and to dictate and to dominate and to harass our government. We need to stop paying our taxes. We need to stop paying for this BS, let's listen to uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Legislatures come up. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to sign the bill. It's effective July 1st. I'll also sign an executive order pursuant to that bill, uh, invalidating all remaining local emergency COVID orders effective on July 1st. Uh, but then to bridge the gap between then and now, I'm going to suspend uh, under my executive power the local uh, emergency orders um, as it relates to COVID. Um, I think that's the evidence-based thing to do. I think the fact... I think, I think folks that are saying that they need to be policing people at this point, if you're saying that, you really are saying you don't believe in the vaccines. 
you don't believe in the data, you don't believe in the science. Uh, we've embraced the vaccines, we've embraced the science on it. Uh, the data, uh, I've said, has been good from the beginning in terms of clinical trials. It's even better in real life. And so uh, it's available, we want everyone to get it. And if you get it, just know that um, the reason you get it is because we want to be able to have people uh, enjoy themselves and, and live, live freely in the state of Florida. So. So there you go. And there's a lot of, lot of um, politics behind what DeSantis has been doing. His position on vaccines, I think, had a lot more. It was very similar to Trump's plan. Trump, understood, Trump never liked Fauci. Trump probably didn't like what Pence was doing. And Trump didn't like a lot of things that were going on with the CDC and Redfield's leadership. NIH and Fauci and his boss and even Deborah Burks and all their misinformation. These people didn't know what they were doing despite their 50 years in government working their way to super being super filthy rich through these patents with, you know, with basically inside trader information and working with really rich people as investors and getting a piece of the action, trading inside information for billions of dollars in investments. And the whole Johnson & Johnson hit job, I think, was also politics. More than it was blood clots for eight women or whatever it was. You got to open your eyes and understand that there's a lot of hardball being played right now. A lot of wicked games going on. And nothing is really what it seems. It just isn't. The things that are what it seems are generally not making the news right now. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to play a clip related to Tucker Carlson outing Frank Luntz. Then I got another clip that's going to blow your mind with regard to the relationship between Kevin McCarthy and Frank Luntz. Wait till you hear it. It's going to blow your mind. Listen to this. You often wonder what is going on. And for quite some time now, we've wondered what's going on with congressional Republicans. A lot of nice people in the Republican Party. But the point of a political party is not to be nice. It's to represent the interests of its voters. That's the only reason political parties exist in the first place. There's no other reason to have them except to represent their own voters. Yet year after year, on issue after issue, the leadership of the Republican Party fails to represent its voters. And we're not guessing about that. We know what Republican voters care about. They tell pollsters all the time. And since they kept getting ignored in 2016, they elected Donald Trump just to make it incredibly clear what they cared about. If that wasn't a wake-up call, nothing would be. And yet nothing really changed. It remains true as of right now that the priorities of the people who run the Republican Party are very different, in some cases completely different, from the priorities of the people who vote Republican. Why is that? Well, there are a lot of reasons for it, probably, but Frank Luntz is definitely one of those reasons. Luntz, Dr. Frank I. Luntz, as he is often called at his request, is the Republican Party's longest-serving message man. For decades, Frank Luntz has told elected Republicans what to say and precisely how to say it. Luntz massages language for politicians. He does it now. Just this week, in fact, the National Republican Congressional Committee, the NRCC, 
invited Luntz to Florida for its so-called policy summit, where he was asked to weigh in on the hot topics. Luntz's job was to tell Republicans, office holders, people with power, how to think about the most important issues of the day. Now, we didn't hear the presentation, but there's no doubt it was compelling. Frank Luntz is a smooth salesman. That's why he's been around for a while. The problem with Frank Luntz is that his views, his personal views, are very different from those of your average Republican voter. Frank Luntz is a conventional liberal. His main clients are left-wing corporations like Google. When Frank Luntz gives advice to congressional Republicans, he's got Google's perspective in mind. That's a huge problem. We wanted to talk to Luntz about all of this on the show tonight. Nothing personal, but it's interesting and it's important. So we texted him an invitation this morning, but he did not respond. That's odd since we've known him well for a long time. In 2019, for example, he tweeted us this greeting, which tells you a lot about the kind of person Frank Luntz is. Quote, this Thanksgiving, let's give thanks to the men and women of the FBI, the CIA, and the Intel services. That's literally what the message said. It's on the screen. Even on Thanksgiving, Frank Luntz takes time to bow before the powerful. So why does Frank Luntz remain a fixture in Republican politics at a time when the companies he works for are opposed to the Republican Party, explicitly so? Well, in part because he is particularly close to the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy of California, and has been since McCarthy entered politics. In an interview earlier this year, Luntz described Kevin McCarthy as a personal friend. And that relationship gives Frank Luntz outsized influence over the Republican Party's policy positions. The big ones. Take the border crisis. Frank Luntz's view of immigration is very much like Google's view of immigration. America needs a lot more immigration right away. And anyone who disagrees with that is racist. Now, rather than simply say that out loud, rather than make the case for his own opinions, Frank Luntz slyly dresses up his own personal opinions as social science. He'll conduct something called a focus group. That's a moderated conversation between several people that has, in fact, no actual relevance to anything. It's just random people yammering. Your 90-second exchange with the UPS guy this morning meant more than a Frank Luntz focus group. And yet, purely on the basis of that irrelevant conversation, Luntz manages to make pronouncements about the country and how the Republican Party should respond to it. Most of those pronouncements, as you can imagine, tend to comport perfectly with his own views, as well as with the views of Google executives. Axios recently reported on Luntz's findings about immigration. So what did Frank Luntz supposedly find out about immigration? Well, it turns out, according to Frank Luntz, that Republican voters, in fact, are dying to give amnesty to as many foreign nationals as they possibly can. They're demanding it right away. It's a top priority for them. Watch. They believe in immigrants, in immigration. They are pro-immigration. And I, honestly, I was a little surprised because of what I see reported in the media. Trump voters support the DREAM Act. They support the ability of these people who are brought here through no fault of their own, the ability to earn a path to citizenship. We need these people. We actually have an economy that's expanding, that's growing. I was a little surprised to find out that deep down Republican voters agree with me and Google. We were not surprised. We're all the children of immigrants, he told us. We need these people. Now, that may be entirely true, or maybe it's not true. We can debate it. But Frank Luntz doesn't want to debate it. Probably why he didn't come on tonight. He wants instead to pretend that his personal opinions are established fact 
and that the Republican Party had better listen to them and obey. Open Borders activists immediately seized upon Luntz's research to justify what they were already doing, keeping the borders open. The National Immigration Forum tweeted out a link right away. DACA has bipartisan support, the group wrote, pointing to Frank Luntz's opinions posing as research as evidence of that. Passing the DREAM Act is an opportunity to make real meaningful progress. You see, amnesty has broad bipartisan support. There's a national consensus in favor of opening the border, so Republicans had better get on board because Frank Luntz's research proves they desperately want it. This is pretty close to fraud, actually. Who is served by it? That's always the question in Washington. Well, Frank Luntz's corporate clients are served by it, of course, but also the Democratic Party is served by it, a party whose priorities Frank Luntz appears to support. Here he is back in 2012 telling the rest of us that according to his highly scientific surveys of a dozen people in some shopping mall somewhere, most Americans actually really want the government to take their guns away. The, the public wants guns out of the schools, not in the schools, and they're not asking for a security official or someone else. I don't think the NRA is listening. I don't think that they understand. Most Americans would protect the Second Amendment rights and yet agree with the idea that not every human being should own a gun. Not every gun should be available at any time, anywhere, for anyone. Yeah. Most people agree. Notice the language there. Did you listen carefully to that? You can protect the Second Amendment even as you gut it. It's just common sense gun control. Most Americans are for that. Who does that sound like? It sounds a lot like Joe Biden, a man Frank Luntz has been friends with for a long time. Check out the note from Frank Luntz to Hunter Biden on Hunter's laptop. What you just heard in that clip were Democratic Party talking points. But if you'd like more, there's this. This is an interview from last summer in which Frank Luntz explains that the phrase law and order is somehow offensive to most Americans. Keep in mind that at the very moment Frank Luntz was saying this, American cities were on fire. People were dying. Why? Because there was no law and no order. Well, we're going to uh, run out of time on this one. So we're going to continue to... Uh I have another clip uh, that I'm going to play tomorrow as well. Carry this over. Uh, This is a topic we're going to be covering all week. It's the rhinos within, and it's kind of what we're standing for uh, over at magapac.org and buglecall.org is our fight is first with WinRed. Our fight is first with uh, the GOP, and they need to clean their house up. And we are going after these Lisa Murkowski's, Mitt Romney's, Liz Cheney's, Adam Kinzinger's, and the Frank Luntz's of the world. We want to expose the fraud for where you know what it is. Uh, turns out that Kevin McCarthy and Frank Luntz are roommates when they live in D.C. And we're going to get to more of that in the next episode of the Scott Adams Show. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye bye now. <laughs> 